Welcome to Church Online. I am so excited that you have joined us this morning. I'm Pastor Matt. I pray that our worship will be exciting and uplifting. I pray that the ministry of the Word will work in your heart and that the Lord will do something special. Thank you again for joining us and enjoy the service. Amen. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Proverbs. Let me get situated here. Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 1. All the verses will be on the screen today, um, but if you want to follow along. Look, we're going to go on a, a journey together. Uh, most of the time, we are preaching through a text, right? We pick a book, and we walk through that study. Uh, is it? Are the lights all the way up? Let's see. Mike's like, no, I can feel it. There we go. Give you a little bit more. Um, but uh, most of the time, uh, we walk through a book, and that's neat, and it has its own feel, but uh, we've, we're doing a four-week series, and it's topical. So we've entitled the series Church Life, um, and so it's a little bit more of a deep dive. So we're going to be all over uh, Scripture today, and uh, uh, we're, we're drilling down on a certain word. And so I'm, I'm excited about what the Lord uh, has in store for us, but I mean it like this week as I was interacting with the text and musing on this word, man, the Lord really uh, just used this in my own heart and my own life. And so what I'm preaching to you, I'm really preaching to myself. Uh, this is something that um, I struggle with. And just to be transparent with you, um, I struggle keeping things in order. I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm undiagnosed ADHD. You know, can y'all track with that? I'm pretty sure that I have problems and issues, uh, you know, and, and those of you that are so gracious and kind to keep coming back week after week or watch online, you know my struggles, uh, and it is what it is. Uh, but honestly, all kidding aside, it's a spiritual struggle for me, and this is, um, man, it was very helpful, very medicinal from the inside out, and so I hope it is uh, for you as well, and I, I invite you to come along this journey. Um, before I do that, um, Fred's great niece, did I say that right? Great niece, her name's Tiffany, and she's on li- pretty much life support. She's five years old, um, and she's got a uh, bacteria just attacking her body. She was in a car accident, I believe, a few months ago. Uh, so can we all commit to praying for Tiffany? Amen. This week, we need to uh, go to the Lord in prayer for her. Um, and uh, keep, keep her in mind. Let's pray right now. Father, I pray that you would do what only you can do. Father, we need a miracle. We ask that you would uh, send your Holy Spirit on Tiffany's body, a little five-year-old, Father. And there's other situations in her life that, that uh, she's struggling with. And so, Father, I pray that you would show your love and your favor uh, to this little girl. I pray that you would heal her. In Jesus' name, amen. So the word today is this word, balance, balance. Um, Yeah, Um, we we, four week series, right? So the first week in church life, that's the title. And this is like a fun artwork, right? If Jesus were to live in some sort of suburban neighborhood, those are houses from the top. You get the art. Anyway, uh, I like a good artwork. Anyway, I think it's a, a fun a fun picture. If you want it for your cell phones, you can download it from our website. Um, from the series, Cody made it available. But um, church life, how would, how would Jesus live in church, in, in church life in 2022? Have you ever thought about that? 
You ever thought like, if, if we were to uh, experience him in his person, not necessarily the Holy Spirit, like, how would that look? What would his Twitter feed look like? I mean, that's an interesting thought, isn't it? Would it just be Bible verses constantly? Probably not. Uh, and, and last week we talked about from the perspective of relationships, how his relationships looked. So anyway, we're approaching this from the perspective of church life. We have four weeks. The first week was church family. What is church family? Why do we call it that? Well, we call it that because that's what the Bible calls it. And he uses familial terms um, in the context of the church. Why is church important? Why shouldn't we just take it or leave it or come when we can? Or why should we commit to it? We talked about that in week one. So go back and listen to that message. I don't have time to re-preach it. Second week, which was last week, we talked about uh, church life relationships and how it's important to have relationships both, excuse me, internally and externally. And some people, they find church and they're like, we just hang out with church people. And then they forget about all their friends uh, once they start coming to church. And in some churches, unfortunately, they indoctrinate you to only hang out with church people, Right. Uh, and we looked at scriptures where Paul didn't do that, Jesus didn't do that, and in fact, they lived outwardly what happened internally in the church, and that resulted in Jesus being called uh, a sinner, right? And, and the Pharisees were like, what are you doing? You're hanging out with people who steal from people and people who are uh, sinners, wine bibbers. And Jesus, uh, you could argue that he was drinking wine as well. Uh, and, and I think that, once again, we're taking Scripture, uh, and not, not everybody, but we see the church, big C, capital church, all the churches, isolating certain Scriptures and taking certain Scriptures out of context to fit their narrative, right? And that's what I don't want to do. I, I don't want to make Scripture fit my narrative. I want to keep learning and developing according to what the Bible says. And I want to change me according to what the book says, right? Not the other way around. So therefore, hey, I may get up next week and be like, guys, um, the Lord showed me something not new to him, but new to who? New to me. And maybe I had this wrong or right. I want to give each other some grace to grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, right? Rather than saying, we've got it all figured out. Just come and I'll give you our 10-point outline of how this thing is supposed to work. I've been in church communities like that. Number one, it's stuffy and it's not fun and I don't like it anymore, okay? <laughs> Number two, um, I don't think it's biblical. So what I do see is uh, Jesus doing things that were counter to the religious culture. So in his relationships, he thought that it was important to have relationships with his disciples and then with people on the outside. So if you're a part of a church community, um, I don't know if you're watching this or maybe somebody will watch it later on YouTube. If you're a part of a church community that only encourages people hanging out with people that are there, it's probably a cult. All right, enough said. Number three, uh, third week, church family, church relationships. Today is called church life balance. Church life balance. How many struggle with balance in life in general, right? I mean, it is, it's difficult, right? You're, if, if you're a father uh, or a mother, I mean, my wife, let's just talk about her life for a minute, shall we, babe? I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Um, raising kids, homeschooling kids, keeping up with schedules and projects and work and just keeping a house going. How many know our lives are just too complicated, 
I mean, it takes a lot of money to make a house go around these days, doesn't it? That alone, it seems like we're hamsters on wheels. Can anybody track with that? It's like we work to make money, to pay for the thing, and then it, it's just like a, like a cycle, right? It's almost like a cycle. So uh, we struggle with, and I know this is like, this is what I'm telling you. This message is made for me. The Lord like hand-wrapped it and was like, here you go. <laughs> Unpack that one right now. Uh, and it, it's just tough. Balance is tough. Work play, recreation, church, other relationships. All right, pastor, you said that we should be a church family and we should be faithful to church and all these things because the Lord thought it was important, but you should. You also said we got to be having relationships and people over with people outside the church and don't you know I work 150 hours a week? Don't you know that I'm trying to do? How do we handle it all, right? Um, some of that will be handled in this message, but mostly I'm going to approach it from like one perspective today. But the truth is, is we all struggle with balance. Um, and it's, look, it's worth the struggle. It's worth the continued effort uh, to uh, progress. And, and here's the thing. Like, if something in life is easy, it's not worth anything. And the, and the longer that you live on, on this rock called the earth, you realize this. The things that give you fulfillment in life are the things that take a ton of work and effort. And think about it. Be like, what's the one thing that you're like, man, that's my thing, huh? And chances are your, your significant other would be like, yeah, that's your thing, and you ignore everything else. <laughs> but regardless of that, if it's your thing, it's probably your thing because you've put the most effort and energy, and you want to, if you're a craftsman, you want to better your craft. If you are a musician, you want to practice and if, if you're a father, you want to put time and effort and energy and date your kids. If you're a husband, you want to date your wife. If you're all of these things, right? It just takes so much and it pulls us so many directions. And I would say this, like, as a caveat to all of this, I do think we're too busy, right? I do think that our children are kids, not gerbils, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like we put them in things for the sake of putting them in things. It's your choice as a parent to raise them and do what you think is right for them, not the system. You know what I mean? Like, you have a choice. And regardless of whether or not you think in this life you have a choice, you have a choice. Well, no, I, it costs too much. or that Like, everything's in exchange. Sir and I went, and went to this show up in Philly at the Philly City Winery, I think is what it was called. I saw my favorite artist, my favorite artist of all time. His name's Alan Stone. Love him. Look him up. You'll be better for it. Love the guy. So anyway, it was, <laughs> the concert was a karaoke night. I have no idea why I'm telling the story. Yeah, I do. Here we go. Uh, the, <laughs> I just want to tell you the story. <laughs> 1138. All right, we're cutting it close. So anyway, uh, it's this karaoke night. And I've never seen him. We were supposed to see him live and in concert, I think, in D.C. And then COVID happened. And, like, all the tickets got refunded. And I was so bummed. I was like, man, stupid COVID. COVID takes everything, you know. Uh, but anyway, I'm like, he's coming to Philly. We're going. And then I find out that it's a karaoke show. It's not like a normal show. And I've, I grew up this sheltered church boy, so I've never been to a karaoke night, right? <laughs> so I'm like, how's this going to work, you know? Uh, <laughs> anyway, it was really fun and really awesome, and it was incredible. And, you know, it was neat to see him. Best singer on planet Earth, if you ask me. Besides my wife. Besides my wife. You're the best singer. You are. No. <laughs> Good save, right? 
<laughs> so anyway, uh, we're walking from, and Philadelphia, look, people bag on Baltimore all the time. Philly was dirty. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm just saying. For people who come into our city and be like, I'm like, go to Philly. <laughs> Shoot, that place is gross, man. And maybe it's just like your house, you don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't know how dirty your house is until somebody else comes in and be like, oh yeah, we'll be back eventually, never. <laughs> you know, your house is filthy, but it's clean to you, I guess. I don't know. Um, not our house, because my mother-in-law lives with me now, and she cleans everything multiple times a day. <laughs> Who's winning now? <laughs> I got to get to the message at some point. But anyway, are y'all okay if I go over a little bit? Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for your affirmation. I don't want to cut communion again. Anyway, I'm going to hurry. So... <laughs> people back on our city all the time. And I'm just like, we walk out and it's like the city winery is beautiful. It's an amazing venue, huge wooden doors. And it's like, as soon as you step outside and it's like garden of Eden, garden of Gethsemane. (laughs) It was like, holy cow, this place is awful. Anyway. So it was scary nonetheless to, to make it from the door of city winery to the door of our car and the parking garage right across the street. I'm like, I'm from Baltimore and I'm running. Hope you can make it, babe. (laughs) They're going to catch you. They're going to get you before they <laughs> Anyway, oh, my goodness. But Philly was weird and gross. But, but I live in Baltimore, and I love it. <laughs> so anyway, we were in the parking garage about to get on the elevator, and I was like, those are really cool tennis shoes that this guy has on. They're right in front of us. Sharp couple, young couple, probably like, I don't know, what do you think, 22, 23, something like that. Young couple, maybe a little older, I don't know. Sarah's like, yeah, they were probably 30. (laughs) Anyway, they were young. And I was like, those are cool. Sarah and I are in this stage right now where, you know how you buy old Navy jeans and you can buy six pair and, and like in six months, all six of them are no good. Do you know what I mean? It's like, how does this work? You wear it one time and you wash it and they got a hole in it now. And like every shirt, if you get a shirt from Target, you get about one wear. Has anybody noticed that or is it just me? I don't know. I'm hard on clothes. So anyway, um, we're thinking about buying quality, more like less, but higher quality, right, and pare down, more of a minimalistic lifestyle. So we're into that. And I was like, those are really cool tennis shoes. Maybe I'll have some tennis shoes like that. What do you think, babe? And she just kind of smirked. And I'm like, what are you smirking at me for? I, like, I can figure out how to dress myself. I know it's fall and I'm still wearing Sperry's with no socks, but it's okay. People are all right. People aren't judging. But I was like, no, those are cool, right? She, I'm spitting. She's like, yeah, Matt, those are cool shoes. She's like, do you know how much they are? I was like, no, I don't know, 45 bucks. <laughs> Famous footwear? I don't know. <laughs> she Googles it and shows them to me. $15.99 for a pair of sneakers. $1,599 for a pair of sneakers. And I was like, oh, yeah. Holy cow. I'll be sticking to my, like, Jordans that cost maybe 200 or whatever. I'm going to the Nike clearance store right when we get out of here. But it's like, look, everybody spends their money on something. They could live in a trailer because they live in Philadelphia, and we know what Philadelphia looks like. You know what I'm saying? But they spend their money on something. If they want to spend $1,500 on their sneakers, they can spend $1,500. I don't care, right? But the point is, is we all have to choose. We have to make that choice. And I wanted to say to him, hey, enjoy life with no kids because it's coming. <laughs> Young couple wearing $1,500, $1,600 sneakers. Wait till you have four or five children and see what happens. Oh, my goodness gracious. Balance. 
What am I doing with my life? Proverbs 11, chapter 1. Let's go to the scriptures. We're going to talk about this word, balance. When I thought about this message today, this verse came to mind. A famous verse. It's in King James because that's how I know it. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. How many have heard that verse before? Right. And so if you've heard that verse, often it's probably been in the context of you're out of balance. And it's probably a Karen uh, telling you why you need to spread your time out. Sorry, Karen. I love you. <laughs> it's probably someone who is overanalyzing your life and telling you that you need to like even things out a little bit, right? A false balance. You need to be a little more balanced with your time and your priorities. I agree with that sentiment, but that's not what the verse is talking about. Upon further review, this is an excerpt from the Torah in Deuteronomy. And here's what Deuteronomy says, uh, 25, verse 13 through 16. Honest weights and measures. It says this, Deuteronomy 25, verse 13. Do not have differing weights in your bag, one heavy and one light. Do not have differing dry measures in your house, a larger and a smaller. You must have a full, and what's the next word? Okay. A full and honest dry measure, so that you may live long in the land and the Lord your God is giving that the Lord your God is giving you. For everyone who does such things and acts unfairly is detestable to the Lord your God. A false balance is an abomination. Same word, Deuteronomy from the Torah, that says a false balance is detestable to God. What Solomon is saying in his wisdom book is the same thing that the Torah said, that let's say you're selling grain to people in the neighborhood, and you've rigged the scale in such a way that when they put, uh, let's say, um, they put a half a pound of grain on the scale, it says it's one pound. You've rigged the scale. They come to you to buy grain, and they put a half a pound of grain, and it says one pound. You charge them for the one pound, and you send them on their way. That's a false balance. In other words, when we think agriculturally the way they were thinking, look, you people who are selling things to other people, don't rig the system so that you're taking advantage of people. That's actually what the verse means. That's the excerpt from the Torah saying, look, what I really care about is honesty and what? Transparency. Make sense? A false balance, you misrepresenting something to gain favor or to gain an advantage is not good. I've spent a lot of time telling stories already, but I'm going to tell a few more. Um, how many saw the video on TikTok? Everything Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, is there something behind me? Uh, how many saw the video on TikTok? Uh, I didn't see it on TikTok. I saw it on Facebook. Um, but it was like uh, the, the, the um, tournament, the fishing tournament in Cincinnati. Anybody see that? I know you saw it. Or you heard about it. These two chums were uh, participating in tournaments, fishing tournaments for the whole year. And they were winning one after another after another, Marlon. They were winning everything. So they show up, these two good old boys, they get out of their F-350, I'm sure. And they're like, we're about to bag another one. You know what I'm saying? And Cincy. And so they show up. And the grand prize was $30,000. $30,000. So they step up to the podium again. They weigh their fish. And lo and behold, they win again. They're on a winning streak. And you could hear, like, and I don't advise you watching the video with children around. It gets a little rough. But you can hear a murmur in the crowd, like, 
those fish are smaller than the other guy's fish. What's up with that? These two guys think they're something, huh? And the guy, the two guys, two good old boys are up there like, yeah, with their Costa hat. They're, they look like they're straight out of Middle River. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag Baltimore humor. <sighs> they look like Cody Cooper back there. You know what I'm saying? And, and James Myrick, where's he at? Just chilling. <laughs> so anyway, the, the murmur in the crowd starts going and a judge walks up with a knife, pulls one of their fish out of their bag, slits the belly, and eight, pound, eight pounds worth of weights fall out of the fish. <laughs> These jokers were catching fish and shoving their, their weights, their fishing weights in the fish, and they were winning tournaments left and right. There goes 30 grand right there. And the look on their face, they were like, yeah, man, we about to win another one. And they were like, <laughs> I mean, they were caught with, you know what, the proverbial. That's a false balance. That's misrepresenting. Look how good I am. I'm an incredible fisherman. If you wonder why, just ask me. I'll show you all my trophies. But they achieved prize money, trophies, the accommodations through cheating. Here's what I want you to think about this morning. How do we do that? It's easy. It's really easy for us to get behind the sort of false balance and and the dichotomy of people cheating and rigging the system, and I hate that, la, 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 right? Even though we probably all have our little version of that. But it's easy for us to join the crowd and say, oh, and they probably took them out back, you know what I mean? They probably did, and rightfully so. But how do we do that? And this hit me like a ton of weights inside a fish this week. I was like, Robinson? It's service. It's service. This is the one area that Christians, and this, this message is primarily for people that follow Jesus. And if you don't, look, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, today is the day. But church people can be horrible. And, man, I got quiet real quick. You're like, Just what I want to do, pastor, come to church one day a week. Uh, well, maybe you should come twice a week then, huh? Come to church one day a week to get ridiculed, you know? Look, I told you, I'm preaching this message to who? To me. Church people can, can be the reason why other people that don't go to church don't go to church. And that's the truth. And why is that? You think anybody wants to associate with a bunch of cheaters? With a bunch of people that rig the system? That false balance lifestyle is an abomination. It's detestable to the Lord. The Lord isn't asking you to be a champion. He already was the champion. The Lord isn't asking you to do something. He's asking you to live in what's already been done. Why do we screw this thing up? Why is our balance off? Why is the scale rigged? I think it's this one area, and I'm sure there's 100 things we could talk about, but today we're going to talk about service. What do I mean when I say service? I mean like you serving and doing things for other people. Does everybody understand when I say that? Listen to this scripture. This ought to terrify you in your seat. Another good one, Pastor. Just scare me half to death. Look, it's Halloween. <laughs> Be terrified. Matthew 7, 21. You thought the haunted house was bad. Welcome to the sermon. <laughs> this is going to be good. Man, I don't know what I ate this morning. I ate a funny pill or something. My goodness. I'm out of control. It's the coffee. Ah. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, don't miss this. This, this, this ought to get you a little bit. It did, did me. 
Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we drive out demons in your name and do many miracles in your name? Those are all things of service. Lord, weren't we doing things for you? Then I will announce to them, this is Jesus' words, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. I mean, could it be that the people that are in church are the ones closest to hell? Could it be that the ones in church that are on the cusp of doing all the good and right things, they're the ones who are actually in danger the most? In Jesus' day, lest we forget, who crucified him? It was the religious people. I think about the line in the Casting Crown song, the world is on their way to Jesus, but they're tripping over us. Church life balance, what does that look like? Unfortunately, it looks like a lot of church people doing a lot of church things on the outside. And the the challenge with that, the problem with that, is it looks like you're winning the competition. But if you're not winning according to what's on the inside of the fish legitimately, one day you'll be found a cheater. One day the Lord's going to cut it open and the insides are going to fall out and we're going to see if you're actually a believer or not. My, my, My concern... The issue that I have is that we give, we facilitate in church people doing nice things all the time. And so people march in here and they join a church so that they can do good things and feel good about themselves. And you're like, I'm doing all these things in Jesus' name. Isn't this amazing? I I feel so good about myself. Why? Because people on the outside are saying, you're such a good person. You go to church all the time. You help people. You put on a neighborhood event. You gave that person money. I mean, all these really good things that you're doing. But if it's not coming from a place of internal transformation, then you have your reward. Your reward is that other people saw you, and I hope you felt good about it, but you didn't add anything to eternity. The most heartbreaking part as a pastor is knowing that there are people around me right now that I'm facilitating their way to hell. We need to feel that, and we need to check and make sure, a gut check, huh? It's fitting for the illustration. We need to see if we're actually operating from a place of being complete, from a place of being full, from a place of receiving. Let's continue. Stay right there. Don't don't ignore. And this, if you're new to the church, listen to this scripture online in person. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, it says this. For by grace, it's a good reminder for all of us. For by grace are you saved. I got to read it because I know it in the other version. For for you are saved by grace through what? And this is not from yourselves. It's God's gift. In other words, you were given something that you don't deserve based on something you didn't do. Got it? Not from works so that no one can boast about it. In other words, this is how the system is supposed to work. God is supposed to save people that cannot save themselves so that they can go, look how good I am. But yet we have a church full of people that say, look how good I am. Is that a false balance or the right balance? It's false. 
Don't boast. You're not here because of your goodness. You're here because of his goodness. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do good things. I'm not saying that we don't need your help because we really do. We need more people to get involved at church and do things around the church. But we don't need more people doing that to fill you up. We don't need people serving because they want people to notice how good they are. We need more people to get to know Jesus better so that Jesus on the inside can tell them, go help and serve people. And it comes from an internal position that leads to outward transformation, not the other way around. Really quiet. That's okay. We're going to work. It's going to be okay. Hey, we're having fun, aren't we? Everybody take a deep breath. Everybody take a deep breath. Listen to this. My guess, just some words I pinned this week. Listen to me. My guess is most are confronted early. People that come to church early on. My guess, most are confronted early on with the short-term satisfaction of doing and receiving a blessing. It's, it feels good to help people. But you got to be careful. Why? Most people early on are confronted with that, and it becomes the go-to rather than the continued work of the internal work that the Holy Spirit wants to put you through. If you come into the church congregation and you're like, I really like helping people, it makes me feel so good. Sometimes early on, you settle for that rather than the continued work that needs to happen in your heart. Look, you, look, the Lord sees you, he hears you, he loves you, he made you, he knows you better than you know yourself. You were created and formed in his image, and he wants to reveal in you internally a work that he has been doing for you from the beginning. And so don't come into church and church life and say, I love how people make me feel, and settle for that instead of, Jesus, how am I supposed to feel? Jesus, how am I supposed to react to this person being mean to me? Jesus would say, love them. Work through. Well, that doesn't feel good. But we settled for a short dopamine hit of I feel that feels good. And then that's why we don't do things that we don't want to do. That's why we struggle getting, I'm going to say this every week. That's why we struggle getting ladies in the what? That's right. Why? Because it sucks. <laughs> And poor Chelsea is probably back there right now with 20 babies on each hip by herself. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm sure she's got workers back there. But this is what I'm saying. We settle for that short term, oh, that felt good, rather than I'm doing this because he wants me to do this because this is teaching me something internally. Y'all, we're going to balance this thing out. You feel me? We're on the teeter-totter right now, though. You don't even know. This could go either way. I want to read this to you, and I, I want this to hit. I, I want you to understand this. Down this line of thinking, here's what Jesus said, Matthew chapter 7. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life, and few find it. Few. What I'm saying to you is hard work. People don't want to do the internal work anymore. People don't want to give themselves over to be laid open by the Holy Ghost to say, look, I actually think you're doing this for the wrong reason. I actually think your motives suck. And if your spouse could be true and honest and transparent with you for once, they'd be like, yeah, 95% of what you do is to get something else. 
rather than doing it from a place of love. Rather than doing it from a place of being filled, you're looking for someone to give you something else. And Christianity isn't different. Listen, if we conflate our ego and pride with our journey to Jesus, we will be seen as frauds at the end of our journey. Mm -hmm. The wonderful thing, don't miss this, the wonderful thing in regards to our journey to Jesus is that he is the most excellent teacher and shepherd. He never demands perfection, but rather honesty. But rather honesty. But rather what? Uh Uh-huh. Turn to your neighbor and say, be honest. Okay. He doesn't want you to pretend. He wants you to be who he made you to be. Here, I'm being transparent in this moment. You ready? The sweet spot for me is understanding that everything good that happens in my life, he gets the credit. And everything bad that happens, he is closely monitoring my spiritual, emotional, and physical well-being through the hardship. He's not abandoned me. He's keeping my pulse. I'm hooked up to the monitors, if you will, and he's watching my heart rate. He's checking my levels. He's walking through this thing with me to make sure that I don't die from the hardship, but that the hardship produces what it's supposed to produce in my life. That's balance. I'm going to read this passage of scripture that completely wrecked me this week. Are you ready? Put your thinking caps on. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're hearing from Paul and from Jesus today, okay, in this issue of balance. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 through 18. Listen to this. Oh, man. Look. Are you cold? Can we kill the, can you kill the air, please? Listen to me. Listen to me. We're creating fires down front. Can we please uh, shut the air off for these poor folk? <laughs> Somebody just drug a fire pit out from under the seat. <laughs> Hopefully, anyway. Listen to this scripture. Now we have this treasure. Listen to me. If you have believed, if you have declared your loyalty to Jesus, he sends you the Holy Ghost. He sends you a part of himself to lead you and guide you and teach you and instruct you. That's the treasure. Listen to Paul. For we have this treasure in clay jars. Look, if we went to like Napa Valley and paid for some wine that costs like three grand a bottle, does that exist? Probably. Anybody know how much like the most expensive wine is in Napa Valley? Andre, you're a chef. What do you think? What's a good number? Throw it out there. We'll stick with three grand. Okay. Sounds like an expensive glass of wine. <laughs> we, went, we went to a little wine shop when we were in Charleston, and it's like just a, a wine bar. Anybody ever been there? You get like fun cheeses and wines and things. All of these wines are grape juice, so, that you, so you know. But anyway. <laughs> but it's like a little five-ounce pour. Oh, that'll be like $250. <laughs> like, what? Look, you better put that thing in a glass. Why? Because every drop counts. I'm going to need at least 15 of those things to do what it needs to do. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, just kidding. Lighten up, y'all. Have a drink. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) This is what Paul is saying. We have something priceless poured into a clay jar, a broken vessel. If you take a $2,500 pour and put it in a, in a cup, in a chalice with holes in it, you're going to be like, 
Ah! Every drop matters. What is Paul saying? He's saying, stop worrying about how pretty your cup is. Because if you got holes, guess what? The Holy Ghost is going to fill you and he's going to show others how good he is. But we're caught in, the, we're caught in this trap where we got to be a good looking cup. We, we, we got to make people think that we have it all together, right? That, that I'm a perfect person, that I don't struggle, that I don't have anxiety, that I don't have depression, that, that I'm not. Uh, that's balance. Balance is looking like a good Christian. No, it isn't. Paul said, let him pour his goodness into a doggone clay cup that's got holes in it. Why? Because his goodness is going to pour out of you and other people will see your transparency. Stop painting your cup. Stop telling people that you're something that you're what? Not. You ain't helping anybody. Let's keep reading the text. That's what I'm getting out of the, the clay jar thing. Okay. So that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from who? From us. Verse number eight, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. For we who live our lives, always being given over to the death for, ah, always being given over to uh, death for Jesus' sake, so that Jesus' life may also be displayed in our mortal flesh. So then, death is at work in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, in keeping with what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. For we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you. Indeed, everything is for your benefit, so that as grace extends through more and more people, it may cause thanksgiving to increase to the glory of who? God. Not by works of righteousness, lest ye what? Boast. This isn't about us. This is about the world seeing something that's broken and seeing something that's broken work in a ministerial way, in a way that is supernatural. And from that perspective, they look at it and go, what is that all about? And you're like, that's Jesus. In a body of death, you say, what if I'm diagnosed with cancer tomorrow? You can be diagnosed with cancer tomorrow and walk through that turmoil with joy. Why? Because whether by life or by death, the Lord Jesus Christ has you. He has cared for you. You can be at death's door and do it in such a way with joy. That's what the world needs to see. The world doesn't need to see a fake and a phony. The world needs to see your honesty and transparency and the fact that you're scared and the fact that you're hurting. Why? Because when they see the Lord working through that, they see someone that's just like them. The Lord is not a respecter of persons. I don't know of a person that's personifying this. Think about it. Nicole Booth. Their faith through this cancer has blown my mind. It's a gift from the Lord, and she sees it that way. Pastor Matt, this has been a gift. My whole perspective has changed. Look, if you're living today and you live tomorrow, you're one day closer to death today than you were yesterday. We're all dying. 
we celebrate death days every year. I'm one day, one day closer to death. One more year. It's my birthday. Okay, happy, happy. You're on your way. You're well on your way. We're so weird, <laughs> like, aren't we? You ever thought about that? Happy death day. <laughs> another day, clo- another year closer. How many are you? <laughs> Seventy. <laughs> Your hourglass just ran out. Sorry, sweetheart. <laughs> Look, we are vessels that are being broken down, and yet we kick and scream when bad things happen to us. The Lord is like, I didn't change that. I came to save you from the cycle. You're going to die either way. Why not die with the honor of the eternal glory? Here's the thing. I want you to see this picture. This is about balance. Follow me on this. We think that we put on a persona of having it all together, that that is balance, and that that is working it out. Let's continue to read this. I'm about to blow your mind because this blew my mind. I mean, I was wrecked from this. Verse 14, verse 15. Indeed, everything is for your benefit. Indeed. Trying to find my spot here. So that as grace extends through more and more people, it may cause thanksgiving to increase uh, to the glory of the Lord. Verse 16. Therefore, we do not give up. Did you hear that, church? Therefore, we do not what? Give up. Why? Why do we keep going? Is anybody struggling today? Why not just give up? I'll tell you why. Even though our outward person is being destroyed, another birthday, our inner person is being renewed what? Day, oh my goodness, by day. Was Paul worried about the outside? Or was he worried about the inside? Why was he worried about the inside? Here it is. For our momentary, what's the next word? Whoa, whoa, whoa. that's a weight. For our momentary light affliction, what does it say? Is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal what? Weight of what? Glory. When we're here on this planet going, look how good I look. I've got it all together. I'm such a good, faithful servant of Jesus. We're putting weight on something that should actually be light. What we should say is, I'm broken down. I'm hurting. I'm going through all these things. But there's something on the inside that's producing balance and weight eternally in heaven. Son, we're putting focus on the wrong thing. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. You, if you are a Christian trying to look good on the outside when you're not good on the inside, you're shoving weights down the fish's mouth. You're shoving weights. And one day Jesus is going to be like, why not just say I'm not okay? Jesus loves me in my not okayness. I'm a jar of clay. I struggle with fear and anxiety just like you struggle with fear and anxiety. But guess what? I'm making it. Why am I making it? I'm worried about a different weight. I'm not worried about my outer performance carrying weight in your life. I'm worried about Jesus' eternal performance carrying weight in your life. How does that work? I renew my inward man. Even though I'm not okay, he's told me I'm okay on the inside. Why is anxiety and depression through the roof because we're just trying to paint as fast as we can a smiley face on the outside 
And then we go through the day and it washes off and we get to the end of our day and we take more pills and drink more alcohol. Everything's okay, everything's okay. And then we go to work and we paint another big smiley face on and I'm fine because I'm a Christian. And then the day washes it off again. Paul says, I don't renew the outside. I renew the inside. We got it backwards. How? I can hear the question from your mind. How do I do that? Thank you for asking. Paul puts it this way. Listen, Paul tells us that this life is the light stuff compared to the weight of the eternal exchange. Just very practically this morning, if you don't feel the way Paul feels, does any of you find yourself this week going, man, this is so easy. (laughs) This is easy peasy. That's where I'm at on Monday. I call my wife up. This is, this is the day that the Lord has made. Yes, such an easy day. You all think I'm like that all the time. Really, I'm depressed 95% of the time. And she's like, come on, Robinson. No, it's not that bad. But the point is, is like, I don't wake up every day feeling like that. But it seems like Paul did, doesn't it? Here's, here's, here's what I'm saying to you. If this life doesn't feel light to you, then it's time to make some adjustments. We're going to start with honesty and transparency. Sound good? That's where we're going to start. Number one, if you don't feel that way, then try to shift your focus. Paul said this life is light. The weight of eternal glory is what? Heavy. It's great. So here's what I'm saying to you. Chances are, if you're depressed and you're anxious, you're looking a little bit more, a little too much on the what? Outside, then you are the inside. Why not just sit in a quiet place and just pray that the Lord gives you peace? Why not just sit in a quiet place and say, Lord, I need you to reveal yourself to me and I'm gonna sit here until you do. Well, no, you just need to go serve. You just need to go get busy. That's what you need to do. No. For the sake of your salvation, listen to me, church. No. You need to actually slow it down. You need to see if you can find a Shabbat in the Lord Jesus Christ and rest in him. You need to serve once you're good on the ends. I would rather a Christian say, hey, uh, pastor, I'm gonna have to sit out for a little while. Why, what's going on? I'm just not okay. That's awesome. Let's pray together. Let's meet together. Let's talk about it. Let's journal. Let's do whatever you need to do. Why? Because we need to start where? On the inside first. What else did Paul say? Balance, listen to me, balance with the scale of eternity. If you're sitting here today and you are caught up in what other people think about you and how other people perceive your service to the Lord, I'm gonna help you with one piece of advice. You ready? Stop. Just stop. This isn't the place. Bethlehem is not the place for you to serve. I don't want people sealing their fate to a devil's hell because you came here to serve, because you were looking for something to make you feel better. Go volunteer at some other nonprofit. You feel me? I mean, I'm, I'm being serious. Like, this is not the place. I want people here serving from a place of health and spiritual wealth. Next week, nobody's going to be here. <laughs> I'm going to be by myself. Okay, that message went over like a lead weight. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Appreciate that. I'm just preaching what he's telling me to preach. Put your emphasis on the next life and everything uh, that you do. And this life should be for that life. Here's what Jesus says. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. This is the crux. You ready? This is the hinge pin for the message. Paul says, we're going to weigh this thing. 
by the next life, not this one. Here's what Jesus said. How many love the words of Jesus? Aren't they so good? Amen. I love this one. You ready? Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come to me. Oh, man. Are you sure you want me, Jesus? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you want me. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened. Can anybody track with that? Weary and burdened. Anybody? I have four children, Lord Jesus. <laughs> weary and burdened, my poor wife. Homeschools. <laughs> weary and burdened. Your work schedule, are you weary and burdened? Are, are you struggling with a sin? Weary and burdened. Are you struggling with a relationship? Are you struggling with a marriage? Are you struggling with a friendship? Come, come. Hey, hey, come to me. All ye who are weary and burdened, if you're weighed down, if you're like, he's preaching about balance, I know I'm out of balance, I'm screwed up, I'm this way because my mom and my dad, <laughs> right? Or is it just me who has daddy issues? Come on, be honest. Come to me. Not put on a facade, not paint another face. Just come. Just come. Come to me all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? <sighs> Guess what? He says this, take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. That's the what? That's the what? Inside. That's the what? That's the inside. Okay, I gave you the answer. That's the what? Man, oh. Everybody say inside on three. Ready? One, two, three. There you go. Some of y'all, I still ain't saying it. <laughs> Take up my yoke. Learn from me. I'm lowly and humble in heart. You'll find rest. Verse number 30, watch this. For my yoke is what? And my burden is? You know what? There's two definitions that I looked up for the word yoke. Don't miss this. Two definitions. Number one is the device that you put two oxen. It's a yoke, right? One goes on one side and the other goes. And it's easier if they both what? Do it together. But you know what the second word for yoke is? It's balance. Mommy. <laughs> Love a small church. It's my favorite. Listen, church. Jesus is saying, I've got this thing figured out. I know how to balance this. Come to me because I know you don't have to know. My, he doesn't say your yoke is easy. Everyone in life tells you that. Why can't you handle this? Go see a therapist. You need to what? Cope. You need to what? Figure it out. Is that what Jesus said? He said, guess what? My balance is easy. My burden is light. Why can he say that? Because he's already done the work. He's already conquered death, hell, and the grave. What more do we have to worry about? All of the things that you're worried about, he's cared for. And Paul says, if you just focus on what he's done, this becomes what? Easy. He's not asking you to be a superstar. He's asking you to let him be your superstar. Do you see what he's saying? Jesus tells us to do life with him, and he will make the difference. I'm going to give you this last illustration. I want to leave you with a better way to view scale and balance. Are you okay with that? A better way. The bad way 
is try to win a fishing tournament by shoving weights in the fish's mouth, right? That's, that's lying. That's detestable. Let me tell you of a good illustration. How many like homemade bread? Anybody? Okay. I don't know of anybody's homemade bread that I like more than my wife's. She makes exceptional homemade bread, and she loves to make it. And I love to eat it. Amen. It's really good. So I was watching her. She really it was like into it for a while, and she's like trying to make sourdough bread and all this stuff. Um, and she was watching this like Irish guy's YouTube video. He'd be like, "Take the flour and put it in, knead it in." I was like, so he used to always joke. Every time we'd see her baking bread, she'd be like, "I'm taking the flour, I'm kneading it in." We just joke about it. <laughs> we have fun, but we're having fun anyway. So when she's baking bread. I noticed that each ingredient is important. Yes? Once again, we're consulting the chef. No. <laughs> Andre's like, dude, leave me alone. <laughs> Here's the thing. Each ingredient has a specific measurement. You know what you need to figure that measurement out? A scale. You got to add it in, right, in a scale. So there's a thing called a baking scale. And you put a big bowl on the scale, and it's like a hack. You know why? Because the first ingredient is 900 grams of flour that you put into this, into this bowl. And then it's got a button on it. And you know what that button does? It zeroes it out. And then you hit zero, and it says you don't have what? Any weight. And then you take the next ingredient that has a specific measurement and a specific purpose and a specific reason, and you put it in the bowl, and it says it's this heavy, and then guess what you hit? You zero it out. Let me, God bless. Let me help you with something. That's the kind of scale we need. You you see, every problem, everything that you're going through is essential to make you who God wants you to be. Everything, that challenge, I bet you're a different person, aren't you, young man, than you were two, three weeks ago? Everything, when life happens, when the challenges of life happen, when the health issues happen, what do we do? We think, I just want to get rid of this. I just want to throw it out. But that's not how God works. He says, don't throw the flour out. Don't throw the next ingredient out. Leave it. You're going to need it. Literally need it. (laughs) I just took a funny pill this morning. Church, you get to the point in life, and we've all been there, and we've all seen people do it. Just throw it out. Throw my hardship. Take my cancer. Take the health issue. Take me losing my job and throw it out. But if you throw those ingredients out, you won't be able to bake the bread. Jesus Christ is the bread of what? Let this cup pass from me. Let it pass from me. I don't want to know. Jesus, you got to walk the road to the cross. Here's another ingredient to your pain. And then eventually, Jesus Christ, he bakes for three days and he comes out alive. Amen. And we eat of him, the bread of life. We understand. We take communion and we're going to take it today based on the fact that his body was broken for what? Us. Church. Mm. Church life balance is not throwing out all of the things that you think you need to throw out. It's zeroing out the scale. I'm not telling you to man up. I'm not telling you to woman up. I'm not telling you to figure it out. I'm saying hit the button. 
the Lord is enough. You're not enough. Life sucks. Life is hard. These things are terrible. But you need those ingredients. Somebody's going to need that loaf of bread that the Lord has baking with your life. And if you throw those ingredients out, you won't be ready. Let the Lord try you in a furnace of fire. Don't throw them out. Listen, let, you know what a great picture this morning of Jesus coming alongside of you every time you hit that button. When something else gets dumped on top of you, Lord Jesus Christ, I need you in this moment. Every time you say that, guess what you're doing? You're hitting the button. Every time I say that, something else happens. Every time I'm okay, something else, I get blindsided with something. That's the point. You don't get saved to have a life that's free and easy on the road you go. You get saved because he's done all the work and he's going to use you as a vessel to show someone else what they can have too for free. It's his grace. We're just a part of the bread of life. Thank you for watching and joining us for our church online. I pray this experience was just what you needed today. If you made a decision for the Lord to follow Christ, or if the Lord did something in your heart that was special today, we would love to hear about it. Post it in the comments, send us a message, and we'll reach out to you. Have a wonderful week, and God bless.